0: chapter three of cousin maud by mary jane holmes this librivox recording is in the public domain three the new home it was a large square wooden building built in the olden time with a wide hall in the centre a tiny portico in front and a long piazza in the rear in all the town there was not so delightful a location for it commanded a view of the country for many miles around while from the chamber windows was plainly discernible the sparkling honeyoy whose waters slept so calmly mid the hills which lay to the southward on the grassy lawn in front tall forest trees were growing almost concealing the house from view while their long branches so met together as to form a beautiful arch over the gravelled walk which led to the front door it was indeed a pleasant spot and Matty, as she passed through the iron gate could not account for the feeling of desolation settling down upon her maybe it's because there are no flowers here no roses she thought as she looked round in vain for her favourites thinking the while how her first work should be to train a honeysuckle over the door and plant a rose-bush underneath the window poor mattie dr kennedy had no love for flowers and the only rose-bush he ever noticed was the one which john had planted at his mistress's grave and even this would perchance have been unseen if he had not scratched his hand unmercifully upon it as he one day shook the stone to see if it were firmly placed in the ground ere he paid the man for putting it there it was a maxim of the doctor's never to have anything not strictly for use consequently his house both outside and in was destitute of every kind of ornament and the bride as she followed him through the empty hall into the silent parlour whose bare walls faded carpet and uncurtained windows seemed so uninviting felt a chill creeping over her spirits and sinking into the first hard chair she came to she might perhaps have cried had not john who followed close behind with her satchel on his arm whispered encouragingly in her ear never you mind missus your chamber is a heap sight brighter than this cause i attended to that myself mrs kennedy smiled gratefully upon him feeling sure that beneath his black exterior there beat a kind and sympathizing heart and that in him she had an ally and a friend where is nelly said the doctor call nelly john and tell your mother we are here john left the room and a moment after a little tiny creature came tripping to the door where she stopped suddenly and throwing back her curls gazed curiously first at mrs kennedy and then at maude whose large black eyes fastened themselves upon her with a gaze quite as curious and eager as her own she was more than a year older than maude but much smaller in size and her face seemed to have been fashioned after a beautiful waxen doll so brilliant was her complexion and so regular her features she was naturally affectionate and amiable too when suffered to have her own way neither was she at all inclined to be timid and when her father taking her hand in his bade her speak to her new mother she went unhesitatingly to the lady and climbing into her lap sat there very quietly so long as mrs kennedy permitted her to play with her rings pull her collar and take out her side-combs for she had laid aside her bonnet but when at last her little sharp eyes ferreted out a watch which she insisted upon having all to herself a liberty which mrs kennedy refused to grant she began to pout and sliding from her new mother's lap walked up to maude whose acquaintance she made by asking if she had a pink silk dress no but i guess janet will bring me one answered maude whose eyes never for an instant left the face of her stepsister. she was an enthusiastic admirer of beauty and nelly had made an impression upon her at once so when the latter said what makes you look at me so funny she answered because you are so pretty this made a place for her at once in the heart of the vain little nelly who asked her to go upstairs and see the pink silk dress which aunt kelsey had given her as they left the room mrs kennedy said to her husband your daughter is very beautiful dr kennedy liked to have people say that of his child for he knew she was much like himself and he stroked his brown beard complacently as he replied yes nelly is rather pretty and considering all things is as well-behaved a child as one often finds she seldom gets into a passion or does anything rude and he glanced at the long scratch upon his hand but as his wife knew nothing of said scratch the rebuke was wholly lost and he continued i was anxious that she should be a boy for it is a maxim of mine that the oldest child in every family ought to be a son and so i said repeatedly to the late mrs kennedy who though a most excellent woman in most matters was in others unaccountably set in her way i suppose i said some harsh things when i heard it was a daughter but it can't be helped now and with a slightly injured air the husband of the late mrs kennedy began to pace up and down the room while the present mrs kennedy puzzled her rather weak brain to know what in the world he meant meantime between john and his mother there was a hurried conversation the former inquiring naturally after the looks of her new mistress pretty as a pink answered john and neat as a fiddle with the sweetest little baby ways but i tell you what tis and john's voice fell to a whisper he'll max him her into heaven a heap sight quicker'n he did t'other one cause you see she ain't so much what you call him so much go off to her as miss Katie had and she can't bar his grinding ways they'll scrush her to want see if they don't but i knows one thing this your nigger tends to do his duty and hold up them little cheese curd hands o hern just as some of them scripture folks held up moses with the bulrushes and what of the young one asked hannah who had been quite indignant at the thought of another child in the family what of the young one bright as a dollar answered john knows more'n a dozen of nelly and well she might for she ain't half as white and as master kennedy says it's a maxim of mine the blacker the hide the better the sense by this time Hannah had washed the dough from her hands, and taking the roast chicken from the oven, she donned a clean apron, and started to see the stranger for herself. Although a tolerably good woman, Hannah's face was not very prepossessing, and Mrs. Kennedy intuitively felt that twould be long before her former domestic's place was made good by the indolent African. It is true her obeisance was very low, and her greeting kindly enough but there was about her an inquisitive and at the same time rather patronising air which mrs kennedy did not like and she was glad when she at last left the parlour telling them as she did so that dinner was done ready notwithstanding that the house itself was so large the dining-room was a small dark cheerless apartment and though she was beginning to feel the want of food mrs kennedy could scarcely force down a mouthful from the homesick feeling at her heart a feeling which whispered to her that the home to which she had come was not like that which she had left dinner being over she asked permission to retire to her chamber saying she needed rest and should feel better after she had slept nelly volunteered to lead the way and as they left the dining-room old hannah who was notoriously lazy muttered aloud a puny sickly thing great help she'll be to me but i shan't stay to wait on more'n forty more Dr. Kennedy had his own private reason for wishing to conciliate Hannah. When he set her free, he made her believe it was her duty to work for him for nothing, and though she soon learned better and often threatened to leave, he had always managed to keep her, for on the whole she liked her place and did not care to change it for one where her task would be much harder. But if the new wife proved to be sickly, matters would be different, and so she fretted, as we have seen, while the doctor comforted her with the assurance that Mrs. Kennedy was only tired that she was naturally well and strong and would undoubtedly be of great assistance when the novelty of her position had worn away while this conversation was taking place mrs kennedy was examining her chamber and thinking many pleasant things of john whose handiwork was here so plainly visible all the smaller and more fanciful pieces of furniture which the house afforded had been brought to this room whose windows looked out upon the lake and the blue hills beyond a clean white towel concealed the marred condition of the washstand while the bed which was made up high and round especially in the middle looked very inviting with its snowy spread a large stuffed rocking-chair more comfortable than handsome occupied the centre of the room while better far than all the table the mantel and the windows were filled with flowers which john had begged from the neighboring gardens and which seemed to smile a welcome upon the weary woman who with a cry of delight bent down and kissed them through her tears did these come from your garden she asked of nelly who childlike answered we hain't any flowers pa won't let john plant any he told aunt kelsey the land had better be used for potatoes and aunt kelsey said he was too stingy to live who is aunt kelsey asked mrs kennedy a painful suspicion fastening itself upon her that the lady's opinion might be correct she is pa's sister charlotte answered nelly and lives in rochester in a great big house with the handsomest things but she don't come here often it's so heathenish she says here spying john who was going with the oxen to the meadow she ran away followed by Maud. between whom and herself there was for the present a most amicable understanding thus left alone mrs kennedy had time for thought which crowded upon her so fast that at last throwing herself upon the bed she wept bitterly half wishing she had never come to laurel hill but was still at home in her own pleasant cottage then hope whispered to her of a brighter day when things would not seem to her as they now did she would fix up the desolate old house she thought the bare windows which now so stared her in the face should be shaded with pretty muslin curtains and she would loop them back with ribbons the carpet too on the parlor floor should be exchanged for a better one and when her piano and marble table came the only articles of furniture she had not sold it would not seem so cheerless and so cold comforted with these thoughts she fell asleep resting quietly until just as the sun had set and it was growing dark within the room maude came rushing in her dress all wet her face flushed and her eyes red with tears she and nelly had quarrelled nay actually fought nelly telling Maud she was blacker than a nigger and pushing her into the brook while Maud, in return had pulled out a handful of the young lady's hair for which her stepfather had shaken her soundly and sent her to her mother whom she begged to go home and not stay in that old house where the folks were ugly and the rooms not a bit pretty mrs kennedy's heart was already full and drawing Maud to her side the two homesick children mingled their tears together until a heavy footstep upon the stairs announced the approach of dr kennedy not a word did he say of his late adventure with Maud, and his manner was very kind toward his weary wife who with his hand upon her aching forehead and his voice in her ear telling her how sorry he was that she was sick forgot that she had been unhappy whatever else he may do she thought he certainly loves me and after a fashion he did perhaps love her she was a pretty little creature and her playful coquettish ways had pleased him at first sight he needed a wife and when their mutual friend who knew nothing of him save that he was a man of integrity and wealth suggested mattie remington he too thought favourably of the matter and yielding to the fascination of her soft blue eyes he had won her for his wife pitying her it may be as he sat by her in the gathering twilight and half guessed that she was homesick and when he saw how confidingly she clung to him he was conscious of a half-formed resolution to be to her what a husband ought to be but dr kennedy's resolves were like the morning dew and as the days wore on his peculiarities one after another were discovered by his wife who woman-like tried to think that he was right and she was wrong in due time most of the villagers called upon her and though they were both intelligent and refined she did not feel altogether at ease in their presence for the fancy she had that they regarded her as one who for some reason was entitled to their pity and in this she was correct they did pity her for they remembered another gentlewoman whose brown hair had turned grey and whose blue eyes had waxed dim beneath the withering influence of him she called her husband she was dead and when they saw the young light-hearted mattie they did not understand how she could ever have been induced to take that woman's place and wed a man of thirty-eight and they blamed her somewhat until they reflected that she knew nothing about him and that her fancy was probably captivated by his dignified bearing his manly figure and handsome face but these alone they knew could not make her happy and ere she had been six weeks a wife they were not surprised that her face began to wear a weary look as if the burden of life were hard to bear as far as she could she beautified her home purchasing with her own means several little articles which the doctor called useless though he never failed to appropriate to himself the easy-chair which she had bought for the sitting-room and which when she was tired rested her so much on the subject of curtains he was particularly obstinate there were blinds he said and twas a maxim of his never to spend his money for anything unnecessary still when Matty bought them herself for the parlor when her piano was unboxed and occupied a corner which had long been destitute of furniture and when her marble table stood between the windows with a fresh bouquet of flowers which john had brought he exclaimed involuntarily how nice this is adding the next moment lest his wife should be too much pleased but vastly foolish in accordance with her husband's suggestion mrs kennedy wrote to janet breaking to her as gently as possible the fact that she was not to come but saying nothing definite concerning her new home or her own happiness as a second wife several weeks went by and then an answer came if you had have wanted me wrote janet i should have come but bein you didn't i've went to live with mr blodgett who peddles milk and raises butter and cheese and who they say is worth a deal of money and well he may be for he's saved this forty years then followed a detailed account of her household matters occupying in all three pages of foolscap to which was pinned a bit of paper containing the following joel looked over my writing and said i'd left out the very thing i wanted to tell the most we are married me and joel and i only hope you are as happy with that doctor as i am with my man this announcement crushed at once the faint hope which mrs kennedy had secretly entertained of eventually having janet to supply the place of hannah who was notoriously lazy and never under any circumstances did anything she possibly could avoid dr kennedy did not tell his wife that he expected her to make it easy for hannah so she would not leave them but he told her how industrious the late mrs kennedy had been and hinted that a true woman was not above kitchen work the consequence of this was that mattie who really wished to please him became in time a very drudge doing things which she once thought she could not do and then without a murmur ministering to her exacting husband when he came home from visiting a patient and declared himself tired to death very still he sat while her weary little feet ran for the cool drink the daily paper or the morning mail and very happy he looked when her snowy fingers combed his hair or brushed his threadbare coat and if perchance she sighed amid her labour of love his ear was deaf and he did not hear neither did he see how white and thin she grew as day by day went by her piano was now seldom touched for the doctor did not care for music still he was glad that she could play for sister kelsey who was to him a kind of terror would insist that nelly should take music lessons and as his wife was wholly competent to give them he would be spared a very great expense save 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 seemed to be his motto and when at church the plate was passed to him he gave his dime a loving pinch ere parting company with it and yet none read the service louder or defended his favorite liturgy more zealously than himself in some things he was a pattern man, and when once his servant John announced his intention of withdrawing from the Episcopalians, and joining himself to the Methodists, who held their meetings in the schoolhouse, he was greatly shocked, and laboured long with the degenerate son of Ethiopia, who would render to him no reason for his most unaccountable taste, though he did to Matty, when she questioned him of his choice. You see, Missus," said he, I wasn't all this a heretic, but was as good episcopal as Saint George ever had that's when i lived in Virginia and was hired out to marster morton who had a school for boys and who larned me how to read a little after i'd are a heap of money for marster kennedy he wanted to go to the legislature and as some on em wouldn't vote for him while he owned a nigger he set me free and sent for me to come home twas hard partin with them boys in marster morton i tell you but i kinder wanted to see mother who had been here a good while and who like a fool was a-workin and is a-workin for nothin for nothing exclaimed mrs kennedy a suspicion of the reason why janet was refused crossing her mind yes marm for nothin answered john but i ain't green enough for that and fused outright then marster who got beat election day threatened to send me back but i knew he couldn't do it and so he agreed to pay eight dollars a month i could get more somewhere else but i'd rather stay with mother and so i stayed but that has nothing to do with the church suggested mrs kennedy and john replied i'm comin to the pint now i lived with marster kennedy and went with him to church and when I see how he carried on weekdays and how pert like he read up sabbath days, saying the Lord's prior and Postal's Creed, I began to think there's something rotten in Denmark, as the boys used to say in Virginie. So when mother, who allis was a roaring Methodist, asked me to go with her to meetin', I went, and was never so mortified in my life, for Arthur the Elder had sorted the spell at the top of his voice, he sought down and said there was room for others. I couldn't see how that was. Beanie took up the whole chair, and while I was wonderin' what he meant, as I'm a livin' nigger, up got Marm and spoke a piece right in meetin'. I never was so shamed, and I kept pullin' at her gown to make her step down. But the harder I pulled, the louder she hollered. Till at last she blowed her breath all away and down she sot. And did any of the rest speak pieces? asked mrs kennedy convulsed with laughter at john's vivid description bless your heart he answered with a knowing look twa'n't a piece she was speakin she was tellin her experience, but it sounded so like the boys at school that i was deceived for i'd never seen such work before but i've got so i like it now and i believe thar's more assistency down in that schoolhouse than thar is in i won't say the episcopal church cause thar's heaps o shinin lights thar but if you won't be mad i'll say more than thar is in master kennedy who has hisself to thank for my bein a methodist whatever mrs kennedy might have thought she could not help laughing heartily at john who was now a decided methodist and adorned his profession far more than his selfish hard-hearted master his promise of holding up his mistress's hands had been most faithfully kept and without any disparagement to janet mrs kennedy felt that the loss of her former servant was in a great measure made up to her in the kind negro who as the months went by and her face grew thinner each day purchased with his own money many a little delicacy which he hoped would tempt her capricious appetite maude too was a favourite with john both on account of her colour which he greatly admired and because poor ignorant creature though he was he saw in her the germ of the noble girl who in the coming years was to bear uncomplainingly a burden of care from which the selfish nelly would unhesitatingly turn away toward maude the doctor had ever manifested a feeling of aversion both because of her name and because she had compelled him to yield when his mind was fully made up to do otherwise she had resolutely refused to be called matilda and as it was necessary for him sometimes to address her he called her first you girl then matt and finally arrived at maude speaking it always spitefully as if provoked that he had once in his life been conquered with the management of her he seldom interfered for that scratch had given him a timely lesson and as he did not like to be unnecessarily troubled he left both maude and nelly to his wife who suffered the latter to do nearly as she pleased and thus escaped many of the annoyances to which stepmothers are usually subject although exceedingly selfish nelly was affectionate in her disposition and when maude did not cross her path the two were on the best of terms disturbances there were however quarrels and fights in the latter of which maude being the stronger of the two always came off victor but these did not last long and had her husband been to her what he ought mrs kennedy's life would not have been as dreary as it was he meant well enough perhaps but he did not understand a woman much less know how to treat her and as the winter months went by mattie's heart would have fainted within her but for a hope which whispered to her he will love me better when next summer comes End of chapter 3